You're listening to the Business Artist Podcast. I am Jan Melhaus, and today my guest is Bibi Bjuska. Bibi um, comes from finance and banking. She worked in finance and banking until 2012, but now for over three years, she's energetic laugh-making coach. I saw her in um, Los Angeles uh, last year at the summit, and um, when I was in the tent where she uh, did her workshop, it was so full uh, that people couldn't almost sit, um, but it was amazing. And uh, I, did, I wanted to go again to the next one. She did, I think, two or three, and to the second one I wanted to go, and I couldn't even come in into the tent. So, um, and now I'm trying for a long time to have her on my podcast. Now, finally, Bibi has time. Hello, Bibi, how are you? Um, you know, I'm doing as good as one can nowadays, uh, but yeah, I'm great. Thank you for this nice introduction and I'm happy we were able fi to finally connect. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you are in Tulum, right? Correct. Um, I now, my home base is now Tulum in Mexico and I have been here for a little bit over three years. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I think it's the dream destination for many people, Tulum. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Well, hopefully it remains like that for for quite some time yes. moving forward. So um, yes. let's quickly talk about uh, coronavirus. Uh, I'm in Spain. Everything is locked uh, for about two weeks already. Um, all of Europe is under high stress and uh, high uncertainty. Now in the USA, it's kicking in as well. How is it in Mexico right now? Mexico is a bit of a controversial place right now because um, Mexico has just entered the phase number two, it's called here. I believe there are five or six. Mm -hmm. So it is just from two days ago that officially uh, big gatherings are not allowed anymore. Uh, gatherings up to 50 people are still allowed. There is no lockdown so far. There's definitely social distancing. Um, the numbers are not so high yet. Um, different opinions in regards to that. Some people say the numbers are lower. Some people say uh, maybe because there's not enough testing facilities. Um, but yeah, that's that's what it is. So we are just entering number phase number two. No lockdown so far. But I am spending most of my time home. And if I do go out, um, definitely keeping the social distancing rules yes. in mind. Mm -hmm. How are you dealing emotionally with a situation like this? I mean, emotionally, it is definitely a roller coaster. And I am just allowing it. And I am not trying to be happy all the time. Or I'm not trying to pretend that the sadness or fear are not there. To me, they're equally uh, part of who we are um, as happiness and, um, and positive emotions. Uh, it's actually by embracing the both uh, that, you know, what, what is really interesting, right? And being able to sit with the fear and being able to observe that sadness and then grief. And for now, to be honest with you, more than, um, more than uh, the virus itself, uh, what is hitting Mexico are the economical and financial implications of this crisis. Because middle class 
is actually quite small here. It's, it's the lower class and really low income people that are, um, that are suffering. And I live in, a, in an area that lives from tourism. Since there is no tourism, um, everything is shutting down and there is no working from home. People are being let go and it's thousands of people that are being let go. And I had to let go a lot of people that I worked with um, and it's tough. So, so yeah, I had a couple of times that I cried. I had a couple of times that I, uh, that fear sneaked in and, um, and all of it is valid. And, um, yeah, um, just, uh, observing it. <laughs> Unfortunately, the financial and economical implications, I think will have a far more, far harder impact on the world than the virus in the end. And I also hope that, uh, we don't get like a big recession and, um, the money will still be worth <laughs> anything after after the whole crisis. Mm -hmm. I think it is dangerous, but but obviously I hope for the best. But I I can feel your roller coaster. I think it's uh, it's not easy for many people to to I don't know to define the reality right now because you don't know what uh, you get so many different information. It is a tough time right now. It is a tough time. Yeah. Um, yes. So your work, um, can, will it go on? Are you doing a lot of stuff online or how are you working in, this, in these times? You know, I have my, I, I were, I am a definitely, I'm a, I'm a generalist and I like to do different things. So I have, um, I have several different projects that I work on. Um, so I'm also working as a wellness director for Nomade Tulum Hotel. Mm -hmm. uh, so this week, yes, we have been organizing a lot of uh, online uh, and live sessions with all the teachers that I work all year long. So I have been busy with that myself. Um, in terms of energetic lovemaking, to be honest with you, I haven't really, I haven't been jumping into creating million lives and Zooms and calls because I am a bit overwhelmed uh but they by the amount of things that are popping out and i'm almost if i really sit with myself and if i listen to myself i'm almost more inclined to really take this time um to be with myself and to go a little bit more to basics like read a book I want to be read a book and I want to actually be by myself. You know, all year long, I'm surrounded by people. Uh, you, know, you remember the situation we met, right? I am surrounded by a lot of people, by guests in the hotels, by clients, by tourists, by my Tulum community. And this is actually this rare opportunity um, to be okay with solicitude and see what comes out of that. So... That's where, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's where I am right now. You know, maybe a few weeks down the road when I'm uh, locked for more days, this will change. But that's, but that's where I am right now. No, I mean, and I do have some clients uh, online that I still am serving. But, you know, the reality is uh, that no one wants to spend money nowadays. So even if, you, um, even if, you, if your services uh, can be provided online, um, there is limited number of people that are willing uh, to spend the money right now. Let's be honest about that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for the first time in the history, we are all in it together, right? The rich, the poor, uh, 
and and it's a domino effect and we can see how interconnected we are and how everything is interconnected so we'll see yes well, <laughs> well, let's go into this interconnectedness and uh, shift of consciousness these are big topics for me as well and i found it very interesting mm -hmm. when i've been at your workshop that you are also like thriving to these uh, things but from uh, like a sexuality um view you see everything even when you did the breath for the i think full body orgasm you said uh, that's the same what joe dispenza is doing with his breath uh, to get the energy so uh, it was so interesting when these worlds merge so can you tell mm. us how did you discover this how did you uh, because you've been like a wall street uh, person or um, finance banking uh, i think tough business how did you come into um, the world of awareness, consciousness, and um, yeah. sexuality. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, it's probably this is a story that many people would resonate with. I, uh, I had to decide what my profession is going to be when I was 18. And at that point, I quite frankly didn't really know what my life purpose is and what my life mission is. And I chose something that was logically the best option. I grew up in communism. So kind of finance and banking seemed like number one, uh, I'm going to be able to earn money, um, which my parents not always uh, had a chance, right? Because it was tough times in communism and they would earn $15 a month. And then secondly, I would be allowed to travel. So finance and banking that was on the rise seemed like a great option and promised uh, lucrative jobs and big bonuses and, and traveling and all that. And it actually, you know, I spent 15 years um, and I wasn't directly, I was actually working for uh, Thomson Reuters mm -hmm. and um, I was doing sales for equity markets. And actually this job gave me all that it promised. I did travel around the world. I worked with them in New York, Sydney, Mexico City, Sao Paulo, Geneva. I did cash on some big bonuses. Um, and I kind of got to a point where I had all these things that our society would tell you will make you happy, right? Mm -hmm. I bought my Rolex watch. I was traveling around all the time and uh, I was shopping and I was doing all these things, yet I was never really truly fulfilled. I was never really passionate about what I was doing. Um, financial industry, you know, when I was working for three years in New York, um, when I was going on the trading floors and uh, talking to traders, uh, it wasn't even really, and there was actually the the times of the mortgage crisis. You know, there were the, the client's interest was never really no no one's priority. Making money was everyone's priority, and somehow it just never felt right. And um, and I never was fulfilled. And after you know, for a few years, I actually things like traveling, partying, and uh, shopping, and all this stuff uh, worked. Um, but after a few years, that actually stopped to work as well. And I remember my company moved me to Brazil, and São Paulo was really a tough cookie. And uh, and for the first time, I really paused, and I was like, wait a second, you know, what am I doing? Uh, I don't like my job. I don't like the place I'm in. Um, I'm not happy. Um, 
the only tricky part in that was that, okay, I knew everything I didn't want and I didn't like. I didn't want to work in a corporate any world anymore. I didn't want a nine to five job. I didn't want this. I didn't want that. But if you, but I asked myself, okay, so what is that I really want? And I did not have an answer for that. And that was quite a, uh, quite a, you know, wake up call, uh, which actually led me to a midlife crisis, uh, <laughs> 30 something. Uh, and you know, like, and that's is, you know, and I, I have a tattoo trust the universe, uh, because that was the message that I really was holding on to back then because deep inside, although, um, I was really, really down, I knew that that crisis, uh, will make me stronger, uh, and I will learn from it and it actually is going to be an opportunity for growth. And once you're in it, it's hard to see it. Uh, but that was exactly what it was. So it opened the door to my self-discovery path. And um, I quit my job at the end of 2012. And I embarked on this journey of, uh, of personal growth. And it started with classic one going to India to an Osho ashram. <laughs> and then from there I went, I tried, I did Vipassana meditation, landmark type of courses. I did all kinds of medicinal plants. I was dating a life coach that was very helpful. Uh, I read tons of books. I did more courses, more sessions, got into numerology, human design. And um, along this path, uh, I came across a teacher who was working with sexual energy mm. and, uh, and on that session, um, I felt my Kundalini rise. And from that moment on, um, my consciousness really expanded and I started to see things from a different perspective. And that was really how I got into that, uh, in, in what I'm doing today. Mm -hmm. How yeah. <laughs> can you describe how your consciousness expanded? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, so once you really, and, and there were a few modalities that definitely helped me with that. Uh, actually, starting with Burning Man, seeing how people can be uh, nice to each other, how people can gift stuff, how people can do something just because. Uh, not because they're going to get something in exchange, how creativity is really limitless. I remember my first Burning Man was really, really eye-opening and inspiring. Um, then doing medicinal plants and really starting to access those higher states of consciousness that are beyond the body, beyond the mind, uh, and having glimpses of that, first through medicinal plants, and later through moving energy, meditation. Mm -hmm. um, and then you kind of slowly, slowly start to observe, okay, things that I didn't see before or that were not important for me anymore, now I see them. Now I see things from a different perspective. Um, all of a sudden I became um, super tuned to conscious fashion. Okay, what am I buying? Where am I buying? Where is it coming from? Who benefits from that? Uh, sustainability. I started to be so much more conscious about, okay, am I buying plastic? Is it sustainable? Um, people that I'm surrounded myself with. Wait a second. Are those people 
uh, inspiring are those people uh, sharing similar live vision uh, are those people uh, am i learning from them mm-hmm. or is it just a small chit chat and small talk so i started to become more and more aware right so and it's interesting because once your consciousness expands it really um in, it really impacts every area of your life so it's not just to me it's not just okay now uh that i start to become more and more aware and mindful i'm going to be meditating every day and doing yoga every day uh but i'm buying you know uh but i'm buying uh in h&m and uh, drinking alcohol and um having one night stands with the man i met in a club when i was drunk at 3 a.m. you know no those things start to become also irrelevant, right? Those things are not matching your lifestyle anymore. So they naturally start to fall off. Um, So that's what I mean um, by saying that my consciousness started to expand. Yes, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. So in terms of sexuality, so uh, if I can ask like this, so is normal sex how, how people think normal sex works is it still part of of conscious sexuality or once you enter this space are you having totally different sex how is it how is that changing? yeah so you know so it's funny what do we define as normal in our society right because the definition of normal sadly when it comes to many things is actually not beneficial for us normal food It's processed food, more or less, right? For majority of the people, you know? Normal lifestyle is drinking alcohol. Um, Normal thing is to work like crazy and uh, overwork yourself and be stressed and, you know, and work too late and not really take time to rest, right? I'm not saying normal is very subjective thing. So, so again, I'm talking about majority, but you know, let's define what is really normal sex, right? <laughs> um, so I maybe wouldn't use a word normal. I would use a word most common. Oh, okay? mainstream, mainstream, yeah, yes. yeah. And that is kind of sex that we see in pornography. And why? Because there isn't really any other reference point for young people. There is no education about sexuality, right? There's no education at schools. Uh, Parents don't really know what to tell their children about sexuality other than to use condom, neither. Um, So the only reference point that we have is pornography. And I always tell my own story. When I was 13 years old, I was alone at home and I snooped through my parents' stuff and I found they had one porn VHS and I found it and I looked at it and that was the first um, sexual encounter that my mind has recorded and that was really my only reference point for many years to come. Nowadays we all know that it's even more available, right? It's enough that you go on your computer or phone and nowadays children age 10 are already addicted to pornography, okay? So that is why I would say this is the most common uh, sex scenario because that is really the main reference point that we have. And if you ask me, so the question was if I'm not interested in this anymore, right? Yes. Yes. And yeah, 
And I like to give uh, a comparison or a context to that. I would say, imagine that you have been going um, to McDonald's all your life uh, or eating junk and processed food, okay? And now someone is taking you to a farm-to-table restaurant, okay? <laughs> and you feel nourished and it's tasty and it's fresh and you feel great next day. Um, and then another day you went to a smoothie bar, okay? And another day you were taking to a free Michelin star restaurant. And now I'm going to tell you, well, let's go back to McDonald's. <laughs> Are you going to be still interested to going back to eat junk food? Oh. No. So for me, that is a similar thing that happened with sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that I'm not having a quickie. There can be a tantric quickie, actually. Um, so sex doesn't always have to last for hours and so on and so on. But it's definitely the intention behind is different. The dynamic with the partner is different. And, and I am not really interested uh, in what I was also up to when I was living in New York and when I was working in finance and banking. This was the time of the Sex in the City series. Mm -hmm. And I was very proud to live it together with my girlfriends. Mm -hmm. And we were feeling liberated and we were feeling powerful. We were earning a lot of money and we could go to a club. And when we would see a handsome man, we would actually approach the man and we would kind of feel powerful and in charge, right? And often, you know, there was alcohol involved and entertainment and you would, have, when, you would end up having sex with someone that you really didn't connect with. And, um, and often it was not really about intimacy. Often you would never speak to this person ever again. So I'm definitely not interested in that anymore. Yeah. So yeah. I understand. Um, so for people who are not so familiar with uh, sacred sexuality, so can you describe uh, what you are interested in now and how... How can you imagine this? Uh, what is going on? Is it a thing between minds or is a connection between bodies or is it breathing together? How, how do you connect? In which worlds are you going? Yeah. So, okay. So let's make, let's, let's describe it in few words. So there is, we have an energy body and we can also refer to that as a, we can refer to, um, we can talk about sexual energy, okay? We, when the energy, that life force energy, when it is created in our sexual organs area, we're going to refer to that as a sexual energy, okay? So we want to consciously tap into that energy. And instead of just having a friction and goal-oriented sex, where it's really just about a very clear goal, which is having an orgasm, and it's mainly based, mainly based on friction uh, and physical experience and experiencing pleasure, mm -hmm. moving beyond that so we can actually really connect with the partner, really become intimate with the partner, and then also tap into that sexual energy so we can actually start moving it 
within ourselves, then we can also start exchanging it with the partner. And we can move a little bit away from some people talk about it as some people call it junk sex, junk food sex. Some people call it lower vibration, reproductive sex to this gourmet sex. I like Kinmanami uh, calls it like this and I really like that description. Or other words to this higher frequency sex that is really about uh, expansion, about reaching higher states of consciousness, about connecting on a soul level. And orgasm is not a goal in itself anymore. It's actually a byproduct of that union. And if that doesn't happen, orgasm as we know it, because we mainly know the orgasm as a peak orgasm, that's also okay. Because we feel nourished, we heal, um, we cry, we connect, we sky dance. Margonant calls this sky dancing. So it's really a profound experience. I like to say also that it's kind of merging spirituality with a sexuality. And when the two things come together, right? So you will, um, you will come across a lot of things uh, that we use, for example, in yoga, right? Pranayama, uh, breath work, uh, meditative focus, engaging your mula bandhas, and you're going to now bring all that to sexuality. And it's a magic alchemy that comes out of that. Yeah. <laughs> So um, do people need um, training? If, if, they, if people who listen now and they think they are right now in the, let's say, junk food area and want to go towards the gourmet, <laughs> how do they get there? Which path should they walk to, to go there? Well, first of all, it's about bringing awareness. Okay. About, so how can we bring awareness uh, to sexuality? So it's even, you can start very simple. You can have a conversation with yourself and you can have a conversation with your partner. Um, how are we currently having sex? What's the intention? Are we fulfilled? Is it working for us? Is it not working for us? Do we want to explore something more? So first of all, having that conscious conversation with yourself and with a partner. Then there is actually, you know, because there is so much conditioning um, that we have because pornography is so already available that we kind of have to decondition ourselves first and uh, forget about everything we know and be open and be curious to explore things in a different way. Mm -hmm. Now, everyone has their own way. I personally am very practical. So let's say if I start to kite surf, I like to hire a trainer who's going to give me a couple of classes, teach me the right technique fast, and I can start kiting by myself. Mm -hmm. Some people prefer to figure it out by themselves. Maybe it's going to take a longer time. Uh, maybe they're not going to do it right from, from, from the get-go. I personally resonate more with the first way. Mm -hmm. So there is, I would recommend uh, tapping into some of the resources and reading or taking a course uh, or becoming more familiar uh, with what, are, what other options are, okay? And then there's tons of resources. There are books, there are talks, there are workshops, um, there, are, there are YouTube channels, there are online courses, um, and so on and so on. 
So this is what I would recommend, really um, becoming a little bit more familiar with what is what other options are there, what we can do, right? And I actually you know for most of the most of the tantra teacher or conscious sexuality teachers were always having a huge emphasis on the practice, and um, I often heard that just talking about it or theory is not going to do much, that we really need to start practicing and it's about embodiment and only from there people can really learn. Um, but with my own experience, it has been different. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, once I started actually experiencing this, I was so excited. I didn't plan to be a teacher at that point at all, but I was so excited that I wanted to share it with all my friends. Mm-hmm. So I really started telling everyone what I am experiencing and sharing how amazing it is and that I had this full body orgasm and that I felt energy and that we cried and that we made for love for three hours and we didn't even realize it was three hours and so on and so on. And what was interesting is that so many of my friends started to come back a few days later after we had an initial conversation saying, hey, you talked about shaking, you talked about full body orgasm. I think I just had one. Mm-hmm. And more and more people started coming just based on that short conversation. So I was intrigued. Okay, it is interesting. Uh, just from talking about it, just from giving people some basic um, guidelines, things start to happen. Okay, so that's why I started doing my talks. <laughs> Uh, and more and more people started sending me letters and more and more people started to come back sharing beautiful stories. So for some people, and I even got some several emails and messages from Summit, um, just listening to my talk, which lasts about an hour and a bit, and just explains basic concepts and basic guidelines, for some people, it is already enough Uh, to start shifting the sexual experiences, okay? Some people, it's like with everything. Some people need a little bit more of guidance. I also offer practice workshops, but there's, again, there's so many amazing teachers out there. Um, So there's really a lot to choose from. Now we just have to be sure that the teacher that we are choosing has integrity because like with everything, there are teachers with integrity and without integrity. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, I know I've I've heard about some uh, with like big scandals as well, with, because they were like abusing the students or something. But yeah, but you know, it is like with media, right? You heard about big scandals. Have you ever heard about amazing teachers doing fantastic job? Not in the media, but from people. Yeah. <laughs> From people, yeah, but not in the media, right? The media will only tell you about those that actually, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not with integrity, right? So like, it's like with coronavirus. We don't hear how many people recover. We only hear how many people die. So uh, there's also tons of teachers that are doing absolutely fantastic job. Yes, the ones I know. But if I can give you tips, if you know, if you can just give, so people, I like to always... I like when people listen to those things or talks or podcasts. I like when they can walk away with tangible takeaways. So it's not just a nice chit chat, but they can really walk away with something practical uh, that can help them um, to start practicing straight away, right? Mm -hmm. So a few things, simple things, and I'm just going to pick a few. 
um, create a space with an intention. Okay, so I often tell people even schedule, schedule making love in the calendar, schedule self-pleasure practice in the calendar, then create a physical space with intention, create this love temple, put candles, put beautiful music, play with the senses, sound, taste, touch. Um, so that is number one, because it all starts with an intention. Then be honest uh, with yourself or with your partner um, how are you feeling today? Where are you at today? What are your desires? What are your fears? How do you want to make love today? Do you maybe just want to hug and connect? What is that we really want? We often don't communicate that and assume that what we want, the other person wants as well. So have that beautiful, open, vulnerable conversation. Okay? Then go slow. One of my favorite books, if you guys want to read something and start with, it would be Slow Sex by Diane Richardson. Beautiful book. Compares a little bit to the idea of slow food, and it really resonates with me. So go slow. There is no rush. Okay? The slower we go, the more attuned we can be to very subtle sensations and to, to actually feeling the energy. Mm -hmm. Have a long, proper foreplay especially important for women. We take much longer to open up for full yes for penetration. A good rule of thumb, around 20 minutes. Okay? <laughs> okay. Then, if you have a spiritual practice, if you practice yoga, if you practice meditation, bring all that practice with you to bed. Meaning, observe where is your mind going? Are you in your mind? Are you fantasizing? Are you worried about things? Observe these thoughts. Let them go and come back to sensations in your body. Okay, so you're literally going to be meditating on sensations in your body. Then bring conscious, long, deep breath. So you want to start inhaling long, deep breath and exhale, long exhale. And you want to, it's similar to yoga, right? When we really consciously breathe. Now I would say, here we're going to open our mouth more. But we really want to breathe consciously and that way through entire time of lovemaking, uh, foreplay and lovemaking. Then if you want to go a little bit further, you can uh, start playing with synchronizing your breaths with your partner. Okay? And start breathing in union and see what that does. And last, I would say. Bibi, uh, you're on the microphone. Yeah, yeah now, now I, we hear you again. Don't make, yeah, beautiful. Sorry for that. Okay. And don't make the orgasm the final ultimate goal. I would even say schedule a lovemaking session for two hours when you're going to have this little agreement let's not have the peak orgasm as we know it today and make love for two hours and that is actually going to be beautiful because number one you're taking the pressure and the goal away and you're actually going to become more creative and more open to exploring and and going different directions so see what happens from there perfect yeah that's great uh, great takes uh, things to take away I wanted to ask you one more thing. Um, 
because you uh, showed us how you can have a full body orgasm within minutes on stage there. Could you also describe how you did it and maybe also describe how men can do that? So, so when I, what I also clarified that I was not really fully sexually aroused, right? In that situation, I always ask people to, to start observe where they are in terms of their sexual arousal from one to 10. One not being sexually aroused, 10 having an orgasm, okay? So there, I wasn't sexually aroused. No one was kissing me. I wasn't touching myself. Um, I was at, at one. But we still have that energy inside of us, okay? And what I was essentially doing, once you start to play with the energy, you can start moving it with an intention, okay? Mm -hmm. Energy follows thought. Energy, energy follows attention, so the, the more you play with it, the easier it becomes. So you literally have an intention of the energy to move, or you can call it, you have a, you can creative, have a creative visualization and through your breath and intention, you can start moving the energy, okay? And because our body is autostatic, we can circulate that energy within ourselves. It's called in Taoism, microcosmic orbit, okay? Mm -hmm. So... You can move that energy up. You can gently squeeze your PC muscle to help you to feel. You actually, in, in, in Neotantra, we also call it an energy pump. So you can gently start squeezing your PC muscle. And then on the inhale, you're going to imagine moving the energy up. And on the exhale, you're going to imagine the energy going down and closing the circle again. So more or less, that is what I was doing there. Now, once you're sexually aroused, you build so much more of the sexual energy. So you're going to be moving so much more energy through you. And it would be much more, I don't want to say intense, um, but a stronger experience. Okay. Now, both men and women can move energy. The microcosmic orbit uh, equally it's, it's not really dependent on the gender. Every human being can circulate the energy. Okay, so the same way. Mm -hmm. So I like to give a simple homework. You can, and, I, and some call it high vibration masturbation <laughs> <laughs> or a conscious self-pleasure practice, which I really invite you to do. Yeah. And bring yourself to an arousal level or five or six. And then instead of, uh, chasing for the crescendo and chasing the orgasm actually do the opposite pause lie down relax and start breathing long deep inhales long exhales and relax your body fully on every exhale and observe what's going to happen okay then you can do you're going to start feeling that energy flowing all over your body once the arousal level goes down again, feel free to stimulate yourself a little bit more again. And then pause and start breathing gently again. Okay? So this would, I would say, it's a relatively easy way to, to start feeling that sexual energy and moving it beyond our genitals area. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So um, if, if somebody wants to go deeper, maybe listening to this episode and uh, now uh, 
has money to spend uh, on teachings um, is it possible to to get teachings from you wow. yes so you know i also want to and and this is an issue yes absolutely so first i'm going to answer that question yes um you can find me via my website um again i'm polish and the name is very complicated so if you type in energetic lovemaking.com it's going to take you to my website otherwise you can also follow me on instagram it's planet bb planet bibi -I. i put all the links i put it in the in the transcript fantastic yeah. and you can reach me out from there and it's not just about you know once you're on the life mission i'm really on a life mission i really want to make a positive impact on this planet while in this lifetime and i really want to bring awareness and consciousness uh to people so it's not just about earning money it doesn't work like this you know i also uh, give a lot of sessions for free and i also I give group workshops and there's also a mini version of my talk on my website. So there are different options, definitely. Okay. Yes. And there are different options uh, from much more affordable ones to more uh, expensive private sessions. Right. And um, again, the lockdown hasn't even started yet. Um, once I'm a few more weeks in, if that is um, to happen, then I probably will create um, some live sessions and uh, like everyone else is doing. You know, what's beautiful is that everyone is also offering uh, content for free. And, and I think um, this is also a beautiful way to share and contribute uh, something in these difficult times. So there are going to be different, there are different options. Okay. It's not just, for people who have money to spend right now. I just wanted to make nice. sure. <laughs> right? And uh, if, uh, if people are in a relationship, is it best to learn this as a couple? I think yes, right? Um, I would say so. If, you know, if they're both open, you know, it's, it's, it's a similar question. If you, know, you want to learn how to dance tango, right? Uh, and you're in a couple, I would say it's a good idea that you both learn so you can actually both practice, right? <laughs> um, so similar here, uh, but it's not always the case. And sometimes one partner wants to learn and the other doesn't and is not interested. So what do you do then? Then you start by yourself. Um, so it then is you possible. Convince the other and for, sorry? Maybe then later on you can convince the other one if you start. I don't, I am not, I, I'm not in favor of on convincing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you can convince or force anyone. I think you can inspire. Uh, and this is what has been happening to me. You know, when I actually, um, after, after I have changed my lifestyle, I have lost a lot of friends because a lot of friends that um, were there because we were partying together or we were in New York together, um, I didn't have so much in common with them anymore and a lot of friendships fell apart. But interestingly enough, now a few years later, a lot of those friends are coming back and reaching out and telling me, hey, I've seen, you know, I've seen how you uh, changed your lifestyle and uh, it seems like you're in a great place and you're actually inspiring. So I'm curious to learn more. Mm -hmm. And that is so much more powerful than convincing anyone. And the same uh, advice I give to couples. 
you can start practicing conscious sexuality with yourself. You can start playing with your own energy, etc., etc. And once your partner sees um, the changes in you, then um, many of them will get inspired and will get curious and will want to know more. But it's a very different thing when they come uh, to you instead of you convincing them. Yes, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Um, thanks a lot, Bibi. Um, it was really great to talk to you about it. Um, I was, uh, I really wanted to have you on this podcast because uh, it was a great wow moment for me when I saw you and I've seen how much desire there is with people. Uh, there seems to be like an unfulfilled need with so many people uh, to go yeah. into heterosexuality. So it's great that we could find the time and thanks yeah. for the sharings. Yeah, and you know, and I and I, one thing I always wanted to add, like we are definitely going for a shift in in humanity and in consciousness, and you can see more and more people being opened to healthy nutrition, more and more people open to sustainability, more and more people open to conscious fashion, mm -hmm. right? And uh, sexuality still is a tricky one. Uh, because it's still a taboo, there's so much stigma around it, there's so much culture, religion, conditioning around it. Uh, but like with every area of our life, we are waking up and people want to learn more and people want to become more um, aware in, in also that area of their life. So mm -hmm. it's beautiful to see that it's kind of finally starting to happen. It's, it's still slow, <laughs> uh, but it's happening. It's happening, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, beautiful. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, I hope, uh, I hope we planted some seeds <laughs> yes. uh, in the community that listens to your podcast. I'm open for questions. And yeah, feel, feel, feel free to reach out to me, guys. And, um, and I really invite you to be curious and be open and explore. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain, even if you're a skeptic. Um, get out of your comfort zone and, uh, and see what's there. Because I like the book by Joe Dispenza, Becoming Supernatural. And I really feel uh, like one can become supernatural following. By the, the way, have you done an advanced retreat with Joe Dispenza? No, no, I have not. <laughs> no, I did one in January. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, so I hope you see the similarities because you're really pulling your energy um, from your sexual organs, right? And you're pulling that energy up. Yes. Uh, and I yeah. like, and you know, yes. in the book, uh, in the book, obviously, Joe Dispenza is, is using a little bit of different language. And I think also that allows him actually maybe to even reach more people. But mm -hmm. there's just one small sentence in the book, uh, Becoming Supernatural, uh, referencing, oh, in some cultures that energy will be called Kundalini. So there's a little <laughs> small hint uh, if, you, if you carefully read it. Uh, uh, but yeah, essentially the bigger picture is the same, and rightly so. That means that we, you know, uh, it, it should be or aligned, right? So, so yes. Yes. So I will definitely do your homework. Um, I um, encourage uh, others to do it too, and I'm sure you uh, planted the seed today, also in very in many men, and that's very important. Mm -hmm. 
very important. Thank you so much and stay safe and hopefully uh, the new word emerges from this situation. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> Thank you, Bibi. Thank you. Big hugs. Bye. Big Bye. Hug. Bye.